State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. That's how we own it. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of Street Politicians, the, the place, place where the streets and, and politics, politics meet. meet. You got your your your, your boycott black murder gear. I see that you went and got you some nice yes. things. Embroidery Kings, which is in the Bronx for anybody who wants Lots to know. Embroidery where. Kings, my boy Joey. Yes. Yeah. If anybody wants to know where we get um, you know, who does the embroidery for our merch, it's embroidery kings. And last week on his page. I saw that he he shared how, you know, he's making like the stitching, the embroidery process for Boycott Black Murder. And I thought that was super, super cool. And um, this new merch that you have on today um, was done for the event that happened last week, which was the announcement of an, or the premiere of your world-class video, one of the best videos that I've seen you do. And you have many and I love many of them, but this is really powerful. Uh, the boycott black murder um, uh, video and song. And uh, in the video, your nephew Chris, my little homie, 
He plays um, a character of an individual who is, you know, he's out in the street. He shoots many people. Um, and at the end of the video, we find out that uh, he was shooting himself, or at least the depiction is every time he shoots someone, he was shooting himself. Uh, the video is powerful. By now, everybody should have downloaded it uh, and had the opportunity to check it out uh, to support Until Freedom because it is an Until Freedom campaign. We're super proud of what you have accomplished with this material. But what it is doing is opening up a conversation. And so immediately following the screening that we did of the video, we had a conversation that included uh, the moderator, Londell McMillan, who is the owner of The Source magazine, but he was the lawyer for Prince. Um, he's been in the culture, you know, Londell's been a culture creator for uh, years and years and years. I mean, I don't know, I, I'm not gonna age him, but I know he's older than us. And Londell is well known as an entertainment attorney and one who, again, has been like at the cutting edge of many cultural things for, you know, as long as I can remember. And then on the panel also was A.T. Mitchell of Man Up in Brooklyn, uh, our brother who is the New York City czar for violence um, intervention. Violence and prevention. Yeah, violence intervention and prevention. Um, he is the mayor has appointed him with that role. And he's been doing an incredible job of bringing people together around this issue of violence, intervention and prevention. Uh, then also on the panel was Congressman Jamal Bowman, who's from the Bronx. Uh, he's an, a former educator. He's a congressperson who is a squad member. So he's one of those that's in Congress fighting for us, fighting for our issues. And, you know, and speaking um, truth to power, Congressman Bowen is strong. I see the trajectory of where he's going. The only thing that's going to get in, in Bowman's way is the scary Negroes in Congress who will try to block him because he's too, too powerful, too strong. He's too black and he knows the issues too well. And he calls out white supremacy all the time. And, you know, black people are scared to say white supremacy. Some of our people. Yes. Um, or, you know, to talk about, to talk about white supremacy. Then on the panel also was the great Kepra Kears, um, who is the chief wellness officer at Life Camp, um, which is, Life Camp is one of the premier uh, uh, violence intervention and prevention organizations in the nation. She was joined on the panel also. Um, um, she was joined on the panel also by Erica Ford or with Erica Ford who is the head of Life Camp, the founder. Uh, and so you guys had a real powerful conversation about the, so it was a very solution-based conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, you know, I think that what has, and now we have people calling saying, can we do it in other cities? So that's what this video, the powerful video, as well as the conversation has created. Yeah, it was it was a, a beautiful turnout. I want to thank everybody who came. We. We did it like really last minute and we had limited space. So we invited, you know, a close knit group of people who are doing this work, our loved ones and people who we know will be able to take the message and utilize it in their own areas and places to be able to, to make sure that the video gets a little traction. But it was it was an excellent conversation. To, you know, I was blessed by the response from the video. Shout out to Mark Garcia. Um, point blank who shot the video 
Right, Mark. You you always beating up on Mark, but he did a good Mark, job. He yes, he <laughs> when he's when he's serious, he's focused, man. He's 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 a dope director, and, you know, and he loves what he does. So I want to shout out him for the video, and also like you said, my 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 nephew Chris. But the conversation that followed the video was compelling to me. Just hearing everybody talk, um, just knowing that we all have something special that we bring, you know, and understanding that violence is a culture, right? It's become a culture inside our society and we have the ability to shift the culture, right? And, and that conversation was culture shifting. Like, shout out to Kepra, man. Everybody kept coming to me like, yo, who's Kepra? Like, Kepra has, she has an ability to, you know, it's just certain people that when you listen to them, they they shift, they just shift the way that you think. Yeah. You, she, she's skilled in the way that she talks and it resonates and, it, and, it, and it, it disarms you, right? I can't, like, I was listening to her and I'm like, we need a Kepra in every community, right? Because if Kepra's outside, I can't see people wanting to be with each other and she's having a conversation, you know, so. I mean, she's a healer. She's a healer. She, she has, she, she, and, and that is not, that is not a flippant term, right? That's not like, oh, she's a healer. You know, oh, I could be a healer. You could be a healer. No, that's a God-given anointing to be a healer where your voice can actually. Have we on our show yet? Yeah, we have had her on our show. And, you know, she also did several weeks of um, Fridays on my um, uh, Instagram as well. So, yeah, we have, but it's, it's been a while, but she's so great in terms of her understanding of not just the mental, um, uh, like, what she, like she said, mental health is one thing, but that makes you narrow in on schizophrenia, anxiety, or this or that and one issue. But when you think about spiritual warfare and that that is actually what our communities are, are experiencing. It's a spiritual warfare and it is being fed by the culture, by entertainment, infotainment. It's so much coming at us that we are literally at war with ourselves and, of course, with this world. And the way in which she breaks it down, she has to be a part of every conversation because uh, and she and others like her, Queen Afua and others, they have to be a part of these conversations because you can't talk about solutions and what we have to do as a people if you don't deal with the root of our concern, our issues that most people never even talk. Most people, if you walked up to a person just in, you know, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that's waiting to get them some food from the local chicken spot. And you start talking about spiritual warfare and the things we're up against. They might be like, yeah, I kind of get it. But like eh, rent got to be paid. You know, uh, uh, food needs to be on the table. Matter of fact, get out the way because I'm trying to get this because I got to run and go pick up my kid from school and these things. So you have to in these conversations, we have to be able to slow down enough to hear the content that she is putting forward. So I just you know, I thought the whole thing. Erica's um, her 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 masterful way of explaining that at the end of the day, we could talk about what black folks need to do and what's happening in our communities. We have to keep our eye on the fact that there are there's intentional oppression happening, you know, and, and, and Congressman Bowman said policies are created every day to inflict 
harm on our community. So when people are walking around, which brings me to the whole midterm elections conversation, when people are walking around talking about they don't need to vote and just get money, get money, we need to be real clear about the danger in that. Because while we are not paying attention to uh, the midterm elections and other elections, federal, all levels where there are people being voted into office, what happens is that they are making policies that the majority of our people will be impacted by. See, my thing is that the whole idea of getting to the bag is important. And certainly in these conversations that we're having about violence, community, you have to have all the components, the healers, the grassroots organizers, the elected officials, the uh, the, the economic uh, development folks, like there's so many different, the practitioners, if you will, so many different areas that have to be covered. But what we have to understand is that those, these things, it's a heart and every, all of these things become arteries. They become connections. It is not one. If you cut off another supply, the heart will stop. The heart can't live just with one particular thing pumping into it. It requires all the we've seen it we know right we we should put it on the screen so people can see there are there are multiple uh uh functioning organs in our body that makes us live and when one of those organs goes bad the body starts to break down and so with that being said we cannot allow other people to make policy decisions on our behalf and we take our eye off the ball. We have to ensure that we're in the process so that we can at least, if for nothing else, yes, yeah, true, we're not getting enough. We're not getting enough. We're not gaining enough. But we damn sure need to be blocking folks who want to put things in place and policies in place that will harm most of our people. When, as we work on the economic strategies that are important. And we're going, we're leading towards that place, right? We're working on the economic strategies. Strategies. It's going to take years. And to catch all of our people in this nation and get them in the pipeline and get them educated and give them the things they need, get them on the farms, get them fed, that takes time. It takes unity too. And it takes us being able uh, you know, to work in a way that we are not all the way prepared, but we're getting there. We're getting there because people are waking up. But what, what is happening every day is that Ray Ray, Jojo, Keisha, and Letitia and them, they live in communities where policy is impacting everything they do from moment to moment. And for some of us to be so elite in our thinking that because we're not living in those spaces that we can just turn off the system, that is not a good idea. We must make sure that our people go to the polls because there's propositions, there are questions being asked, decisions being made, and we have to be a part of making those decisions. You are 100% right, man. When we, when we look at you know, what's going on with our society and how it's impacting us, you know, which brings me to the conversation of Kyrie. You know, money doesn't really have that much of an impact in certain in certain arenas. Right. People can take money from you. They can they, like when we look at Kanye's situation from one minute being, you know, saying you're the richest black man in America to next day realizing that. People have the ability 
to take those finances from you, right? Because there's no structure built, you know, that in place that makes sure that you're able to thrive, that you're able, that protects you from that, right? So there's, there's so many multifacets of the way that we have to be intentional about what we're doing, you know, and, and that conversation really fed to that, you know, and when we talk about our government, like Jamal Bowman was saying a lot of things about policy, you know, and how it affects our communities and, and, and policy that, you know, can change the dynamics of our communities. Erica was talking about specific bills that they're trying to pass that can release amounts of funds into our community that can impact, completely change and shift, you know, the the reality of the community. Because I tell people all the time, you can't change the conditions of the community until you change the conditions of the community. You know, poverty is violence. Poverty is everything that, you know, the, the structural um, damage that's going on in our communities, it's, it stems from poverty, but it also, and, and poverty stems from, you know, the laws. You know, the, the, the reason why our communities are poor because there are laws that, that have been created to make sure that those communities are poor. Because like I say all the time, capitalism cannot function without high and low. You know, capitalism wouldn't be a thing if there wasn't a poor class. You right. know, and unfortunately it's we- It's cyclical. It's cyclical. I saw Angela Rod talking about it the other day. It's cyclical. We're not voting because we're frustrated because we're not getting what we want from the system. But in order to get what you want from the system, you have to vote so that you can get inside the system and you can't get inside the system if you stay outside the system. And it goes around and around. And even to your point, from an economic perspective, you can't you will experience a change in policy that will stop you from being able to make money in certain ways if you're not paying attention. Everything you want to do, and I think it's actually very naive of some folks to think that other communities don't pay attention to policy because the policy represents how they live. I see people saying that the Asian community, they don't care about that. You know, they don't vote. Oh, look, let me tell you, uh, mm -hmm. what is it called? Chinatown? They are absolutely engaged in policy in their area and in that community so that they can make sure that they, they have their businesses, their banks, and everything that they control in those areas, and it it goes all the way up the system. So, they, and in other words, you have local folks, but then there's state folks, and then there's federal legislation. Shit, we always talk about. I get hit every day with the Asian hate crime bill um, that passed because Mitch McConnell's wife is an Asian woman, and they were able to push it through through uh, Congress and the Senate quickly with her support and advocacy and Mitch McConnell, who happens to be one of the most powerful white men in this country. So of course they got it done, right? Um, and 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 so if, if Asians didn't care and they weren't engaged, then how in the world did we come up with the Asian hate crime bill or Asian, so I, I forget the name of it, but I, it's not out of disrespect. I just can't remember exactly what it is. That happened because the Asian community um, had advocates and there are people lobbying on their behalf. So it is what it is, you know, and I think that all of this consistently brings us back to the conversation around Kyrie, the moment that we're in. I know there are some people who have said, well, Tamika, you know, you need to say more and do this, that, and the third and be out there and fighting this. And first of all, people have no idea what we've been doing. 
So please don't assume that just because it's not on social media that there's not things happening. Um, but also we're very strategic and understanding how all of these things operate. And I know from my perspective, experiencing um, you know, a very traumatic um, moment with the label of anti-Semitism being placed on me and knowing what it caused, knowing what's happening in the background with those individuals who are not trying to have reasonable dialogue. Right. There are individuals from the Jewish community that are not trying to have reasonable dialogue. There are individuals even in our community that do not want to have reasonable dialogue. That is a challenge that we face. And I experienced it firsthand. So I know more about this issue than most people think. Do I support Kyrie? One thousand percent. Do I think that Kyrie uh, hates any community? No, I do not. Do I think that, do I also understand, and that's the other thing, we we lack the ability to have nuance in a nuanced conversation, because I see as you've been writing, I've been reading some of your comments, and I see people saying, oh, he didn't do anything wrong, he didn't say anything, so he was forced to make an apology, and I get that, I get that feeling, because certainly there were people who were trying to force me to say certain words, but I know that Kyrie did not apologize uh, to, he says in it, there's a, there's a line in it that lets me know that he had consciousness. I don't believe, first of all, that a man of Kyrie's stature, because on one hand, people are saying he's strong and he's powerful and he won't be broken. But then on the other hand, they're saying that he was forced to put out a statement. You got to you have to choose one or the other. Yeah, they'll say, well, you could do both. Eh, I don't believe that Kyrie is the type of person that if he meant something and he stood 100% with it, that he was just going to be forced to make a statement. I believe what he said in the statement is true, that he, and I'm paraphrasing, but that he responded out of a place of being defensive. And I could tell people all about that, right? When, when I saw that line, because I was reading it, trying to see what is this statement? Is this the statement that they typed up for you and you had to approve it? Or is it a statement? that actually represents your feeling. And when it said, I responded out of place of being defensive, it occurred to me in that moment that these were his words. And the reason why it's not so much that he did anything, um, in, that he said anything wrong or that he was intentionally being uh, one thing. And I, and I get it. People are like, well, he wasn't trying to. He was just trying to show a film that talks about or educates us on the roots of our history, right? And we get that. However, what I believe he apologized for and understood after being able to assess it from a non-defensive um, uh, position is that there are things in the film that denies the Holocaust and talks about Jewish people being evil. Did I watch it? No. Do I trust the individuals that have told me exactly what lines. I've had people give me specific statements. Did he, did, were those things in the film? Yes. Did he, was he probably paying attention or was it that deep to him at the moment? No, he probably was just like, okay, it's, it's a bunch of stuff in here that I may or may not agree with, but the basis, the premise of it is important. And therefore he shared it. But the problem is, and where I can see him saying, Hey, I apologize for this is the idea that when you have a major platform, 
when you have a major platform, unfortunately, we are not given the ability to just make flippant mistakes or put things out there without context and understanding for those people who are viewing it. And people pick apart every single thing we do. So we have more of a responsibility with our platform. And when people come and say, well, Tamika, this thing you said, it hurt me or it upset me. I can double down and say, I don't give a shit because sometimes I don't. Or I can actually hear what it is that you're saying, reflect upon it and not have any ego in saying, listen, I apologize. I can say that. The problem becomes, and I and I know I'm, I'm I'm talking a lot, but I haven't really been talking about this. The problem becomes when you have people around you, and let's let's be real clear. Let's be real clear. In my situation, when words, specific words, were being forced on me to say, it was not just Jewish people who were doing that. Because in fact, as you know, we met a number of Black Jews which by the way, I didn't even know existed. And many of our uh, conversations and relationship began to, to be built around black Jews, helping me to understand the nuances within the Jewish community and them being black and Jewish at the same time and being able to understand our position and things that we were feeling, right? It was not just white Jews who some of them also became very good friends of mine. I have friends that are uh, my Jewish rabbi, Abara Elman is a very good friend of ours and Sophie, her, her daughter, very good friend of ours. These are people who we, and we, we have deep relationship with at this point and it took time and it came through controversy, but it was not just Jewish people who were telling me which words to use. It was not. There were all types of people, May, and, and yes, mainly white people, some black, but mainly white people of all different backgrounds were trying to force on me words to say. So when Kyrie says, I apologize, and somebody tells you, you have to say, I'm sorry, that begins to strip a man of his humanity. I'm saying, and, you, and someone said to me, Kyrie says, I apologize. You say, I'm sorry. I say my bad. My brother Marvin Bing said, I say my bad. When I want to apologize, I say my bad, right? All of us have different ways of being able to express ourselves. And it is not right. I don't give a damn what anybody says to force people to say words exactly as you want it to be, because we are not going to let you beat us into a level of submission. We do want to acknowledge wrong. He did acknowledge wrong. He apologized for it. And he admitted that I was defensive. Therefore, I could not see. But after deeper reflection, I recognized. At that point, if a man can't be uh, allowed to uh, apologize and move forward from that, when we know he does not have a history of anything anti-anybody, when we know that, then we're doing too much when we start demanding of him that he check off boxes to fulfill someone else's fantasy about how to put a Black man in his place. That's how I feel. I, please don't think for any reason that because you don't see me talking about it every day that I don't know and cannot articulate my feelings. But this is a very personally traumatic thing for me. And I've already had to experience a lot in this area. I learned a lot. 
I also, uh, I learned a lot and I heard a lot all at the same time. And therefore it's okay to allow others to speak because when you have personal trauma and you bring it with you to a conversation, you may not be able to help in any way because you're bringing your personal trauma into it. But do not think that I don't know how to describe what I see in front of me that is happening to a black man who happens to be my brother, who I have reached out to, to tell him that we love him and to support him. Because when people apologize, folks will tell you you're weak, but that is not being weak when you are a man who can say, listen, I made some mistakes here or some, or some, I moved in the wrong way in this area and that area. And I'm acknowledging it. And anybody that doesn't respect that shame on you, because I certainly do respect it. I don't really think there's much else to say after that. You know, I I definitely have always been a fan of Kyrie, the individual, especially, you know, the way he carries himself, how he stands on principle, how he's always willing to do the right thing morally, you know, but for him, it doesn't, you know, and he's been adamant about saying there are more things than basketball and and, and, he, and he's a great basketball player and you know he loves the game of basketball but when you made a decision that the thing you 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 studied and played for your whole life isn't as important as the things that go on within you with your people and within the real world and outside of you know your passion when you realize that your purpose is to bring light he said i'm a beacon of light you know, that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here to to be a beacon of light. And, and you've accepted that and you're willing to deal with whatever comes with that. That that that's a level of integrity for me, you know. And I don't I don't see anything about Kyrie that's anti-anything. I think he's anti-negativity. I think he's anti-falsehoods. I think he's anti, you know, the worldly things being dominating over what he believes is is God and what you know what life is really about. I, I think he's anti those things, but as far as negativity or pro or pro, instead of us using anti, he's pro positivity, as you said. Instead of anti-negativity, it's pro positivity. And I and I I know I'm cutting you off, but you've been talking about this for days. I haven't really said anything. You know, we've never ever ever watched uh Kyrie be anything other than who he is, right? There's no, there's no, I'm not, he's not questionable to me. That doesn't mean I agree with everything he said or do or does. And I'm sure he don't agree with everything I do and say and saying to you, because that's not real, right? We all have differences, but he's been solid as an individual overall, especially with our communities, the things he supports and the ways that he shows up. I've not ever seen him compromise himself. Uh, to stand with our oppressors or to give our oppressors any type of entry point to our communities. And therefore, he deserves that we will be able to stand with him even in a moment where he made a determination that he could have done things differently, right? We should be able to stand with him during that time. And, and you know, and, 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 and I, I am, I am, um, I'm, we can't, we can't, we can't cower on that. You know, this they cannot be, well, I can just throw my brother out because these situ this situation could have been handled. No, it is it is absolutely not okay to deny the Holocaust or to say that all Jewish, all white Jewish people are evil. That's not okay. That's not okay. I'm not okay with it. I don't give them what you say. And no, he didn't say it. He did not say it. 
but it was content in the film. And therefore the Jewish community had an issue with it. And Kyrie responded the way he felt he should respond. What more can you ask a man for? And we ain't gonna always get it right the first time we open our mouths. <laughs> we not. Sometimes you open your mouth and you don't even know what you're saying. Especially when you got agents and people and this and owners and friends and family and everybody is coming at you and telling you and telling you and telling you and accusing you of something that is not even in your heart. Because that's what I experienced. Being accused of things that was not even in my heart. So you respond the first time based upon that. And then maybe the second time you get a little better, but you still are in the battle. And after deep reflection, you have an opportunity to sit still and say, you know what? I thought about it. I really thought about it. Not I thought about it to respond, but I thought about it. Well, and I, I guess, see, you know, where I could I could have done things differently. So I guess that was your thought of the day, huh? Because you'd be. I guess it was my thought of the day because <laughs> I sure have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's what I have to say on that. So that's it. I agree, man. Shout out to Kyrie. Love and light to you, King. Continue to be the beacon of light. All right. Brings us, listen, we got so much controversy and conversations with this and that and the third. It circles us. We're going to circle the block back with our next guest that's coming up right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Look. 
Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. So we have new friends uh, that we are welcoming to Street Politicians today. Uh, there's actually two, but today we're, we've got one half of the duo with us. Um, and, you know, they have been a topic of conversation for the last two weeks, at least. Every day, everyone's talking about these uh, two brothers and here to represent them is Ramses Ja of Civic Cipher. Yes. Um, and, you know, uh, you, you guys you guys have become um, synonymous with this idea of like, how do we contain the term white lives matter? Um, sure. And, you know, I've been watching your interviews and checking you all out and, 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 and really just how articulate you are about so many different issues. And so we're happy to have you uh, as one of our new friends. We, we have a joke on uh, street politicians that every all of our friends are on here doing great things. And so um, you all have now become our friends. Thank you so much for joining street politicians today. I appreciate you having me. That uh, that tone is energizing for me, and I'll speak on Q's behalf as well. Um, because as you can imagine, not everybody is going to be a fan of every decision that mm. you make. And when you're in the decider seat, uh, try as you might to do right by everyone, um, people will pick you apart. So to hear hear that that tone in your voice, that's that's energizing, and and we definitely appreciate it. Now, we know about those decisions, don't we, Mr. Lennon? <laughs> we sure do, man. It's, it's, it has to be a lot to, to, you know, you have some people who applaud you. Then you have, you know, the, the naysayers and the people that want to make it seem like you've done something wrong. So how, how has that been? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, let me start by saying that most, the vast majority of people, um, are really happy uh, that this move has taken place. Uh, like you said, it it kind of contains something that 
it, it, a message that we really didn't want to get out there, particularly in the name of fashion or commerce. Uh, you know, a phrase that that people, um, especially my people, our people, uh, mm-hmm. associate with hate. Um, so most people have been overwhelmingly supportive, and that that feels very special. Um, it, it, the other the other half of this, though, as you can imagine, is that there are people who are very much uh, almost zealots when it comes to being a fan of uh, the the gentleman at the center of this whole thing. Right, right. And you know, we've we've been fortunate. The media has been very kind. We've been fortunate enough to be able to say our piece. We don't agree with what he's doing. Um, I'll be a little bit, you know, uh, softer. Uh, we don't think that what he's doing is particularly smart, wise. We don't think it's waking folks up in the way that he's he's trying to do that. But we, far be it from us to talk down. We can be fair and we can be firm, but we don't talk down on uh, our people. Um, we have to condemn the behavior, but the man we feel is is still worth a little bit of dignity. Um, and he's admitted to us that he's going through some mental health um, challenges. He's a, he's he said it very publicly. He's a brilliant man, um, and the and the problem with brilliance is that um, it, it can be used. It can become uh, the thing that you use against yourself without knowing. It, it can help, it can cause you to stand in your own way, or block your own blessing, or shoot yourself in the foot, or whatever metaphor you want to insert. And so we've we've been very careful to um, make sure that we're not tearing a black man down. That's not ever what we would ever want to do. Um, However, we have to be fair. And in some instances, we have to be firm. You know, this is one thing that's true about us is that we are men. And so far be it from us to cower. Uh, But at the same time, we have to be constructive with our approach and not destructive in as often as we can be. Um, If, if, if I may, uh, you know, again, the media has been very kind, but the comments and some of these um, sections, you get different people subscribing to different realities, let's be honest, um, and their realities reflect their values. And so I don't want to say anyone is wrong or anyone is right, but as you can imagine, it's very difficult to make a move, make a decision, say a a thing that some group of people won't take an issue with. And so that's been very challenging because again, you know, if this was just one group, if this was white supremacists, if this was, you know, that sort of thing, this would be easy to deal with. But the Absolutely. white supremacists have been very quiet. This has been uh, our people trying to decide for us what the right thing to do is. And um, so well, let me let me let me jump. Let me jump in here and say one thing to you that I have learned. And there was a recent New York Times article uh, that was released maybe, it was about a month ago now. And it talked about uh, research that the New York Times did and how they found Russian bots were used to take down the Women's March. It, they were used pretty much to antagonize us, harass us, and specifically Linda Sarsour as a Palestinian Muslim woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the rest of us caught it just because we were connected to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that even, you know, as it got towards the latter part of um, our three years within the Women's March, uh, there was a absolute online attack against me personally. Mm-hmm. And what we found 
with that is the profiles are not always the people. So even though it looks like black people, brown people at that time, some of them were Jewish people, the platforms looked that way, but behind the scenes, it was still white supremacists using some of these these pages. Um, And so even though, yes, I'm sure you're seeing a lot of black people who are given commentary because we get it all the time. So we know about it. But rest assured that there are probably more people to your original point with you and trying to help or, or see where this goes. Then there are people who are just negative and, you know, anti whatever decisions you make. So hopefully that makes you feel better. That Yeah, you, yeah, it does. You, um, you might be hearing from people who are not even real us. Yeah, real, you know real what I'm folks. saying? So listen, let me, let me I want to go backwards real quick because I want people to know I, 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 I have throughout my career, um, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm working on, it's like Tamika Mallory, the Women's March, Tamika Mallory, this and that. But we never really get our own identity and get an opportunity to say, who, who am I, you know, mm-hmm. that is outside of the label. So people associate you all with the White Lives Matter trademark. But who are you outside of that? What have you been doing? And what is Civic Cipher? Civic I, Cipher. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that question um, because, yes, we are. Uh, I'll speak for QN myself. We are men. Um, we're fathers. Uh, we are DJs. Um, our background is in uh, hip hop radio uh, broadcasters. Um, and Civic Cipher is something that was born out of the protests of 2020. Uh, during that time, as you can imagine, um, seeing George Floyd lose his life, uh, it motivated us to take action along with everyone else in in our city and having a higher profile me um because i'd done like you know afternoon drive for many years i had like billboards and all that sort of stuff in this city so folks knew the name ramses ja in arizona you know um i i felt like i could do more um than stay home and just ride, ride it out, you know, and, and that's not my way anyway. You know, when I was a very young man, uh, 19 years old, I met, um, my college mentor and my lifelong friend still very close with me today. In fact, she was giving me some advice yesterday. She's very much my elder, Dr. Camilla Westenberg. And when I was 19, uh, I became the president of the NAACP black student union at, at my college. And she was the teacher and the, the, the chair of that chapter. So uh, by the time I got into radio, I kind of knew who I was. And, you know, my hair, and I know that many people can't see it, but I wear my hair the way it grows um, and I don't cut it. Um, That is a choice that I made. That is by design. I have to represent my people in rooms where my people aren't represented because I often get to make it there and I'm the only one. And I have to bring my legacy and my culture and, you know, my pride and all that with me. And I have to speak louder and have to be more articulate and more direct. And so back to the story, Civic Cipher was a uh, a necessary place on the radio that we carved out to have conversations, to take a break from, you know, rapping and, and singing and dancing and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, how, how the story originally went, we, we went to our old radio station and we says, hey, look, these folks on the streets, they got messages and the news is saying that they're rioting. 
But I was out there with my children. I was out there with my sons. They wrote signs. We walked. You know, we, you know, everything was fine. We need to help these people. This is Black culture on these airwaves. And that's Black culture on the streets. And that's a facet that may not make a lot of money, but this is not the time to be a fair weather friend. You know, I, I didn't use those words. I, you know, I know how to talk to these folks. But the long and the short of it is they said, yes, 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 yes. And then ultimately they said no. Specifically, they said to me, um, uh, Ramses, we don't want to do a black show. And that's the wrong thing to say to the wrong person at the wrong time. So I resigned publicly. I uh, wrote my resignation to the city of Phoenix, who had given me my ratings for many years, allowed me to feed my children and live what I felt was a very happy life and very comfortably. Um, and it wasn't worth that for someone to say that to me. So I resigned. And fortunately, the city had my back. They saw me at the protest. They, my son wrote a sign. He was learning how to write at the time. So it's chicken scratch. They put that in the newspaper. You know, city had my back and shared it. And then that grew, had some momentum and the trades picked it up, so forth and so on. And then uh, some other programmers reached out, um, you know, in cities like this, there's usually a couple of hip hop stations. So the other hip hop station reached out, uh, says, Hey, I don't know what you were trying to do over there, but will you please come do it over here? And, um, then, then we had to come up with a name. Then we had to come up with a, a, you know, a clock. We had to come up with a, you know, a format for the show, et cetera. So Civic Cypher was born out of that. And we tell stories that long form that don't exist in cultural spaces and spaces where black culture is consumed, um, particularly in a hip hop space. So our our show sounds like a hip hop show, but we're talking um, and we're empowering allies of black and brown people. So they know what's the big deal when you hear the N word or what is it like to be a black man walking down the street at night and there's a white woman walking toward you? How is that also scary? You know, things that they may not, um, be able to even conceive of. Um, we also talk about, you know, a lot of political issues. And of course we deal with police brutality uh, uh, and, and social, social issues across the board. We do our best an hour a week. And fortunately we're on over 30 stations now and we're looking to expand that. So yeah, we're just some regular guys, but we're trying to do our best. So <laughs> hope that's a that's sufficient really answer. No, that's that's more than sufficient, you know, just getting the background and hearing you. So I, I kind of understand this, you know, this situation and how you guys got here with the whole trademark. I heard that it was gifted to right. you, but you didn't. This wasn't something like you set out to do. It was gifted to you from someone from Arizona. Like, what was that process? Was it something that you asked for? Was it something that, you know, they just give it like what was the process of that? Yeah. So the uh, the individual that had it, um, again, reached out and explained the story to us. And it sounded the same way it sounded to you. We're like, whoa, what is this? And of course, we didn't realize it was going to be like a global thing at the time. Um, it's just sort of a weird coincidence. So, yeah, they, they reached out. We had some conversations. They, they kind of explained what it is that they wanted to see, why they didn't feel they were in the best position to decide what the future of that mark should should look like um and you know this is a private citizen this is an, an individual um what did, what did they want to see yeah, i don't mean to interrupt but what exactly was their plan for what did they want to see um so initially when they uh, filed a trademark i can't speak to that because i wasn't you know involved in that process but when they spoke to me and q the idea was 
that um, really it was just you're in a better position to decide. You're in a better position to defend whatever decision that is. You're more connected with these issues. You, this is you can speak to the people. Um, you can probably do more good with this. That, this was the tone and the demeanor. Um, and when you have a radio show and you can explain your you know, vision and your thoughts and, and what it is that you want to do and explain why you even have the mark in the first place, because nobody wakes up not in the space that I live in and says, you know what I want to do? I want to have White Lives Matter shirts all over the country. You know, you, it's not a, a thing that that I would ever do. So um, we had to like really weigh what that meant before accepting that responsibility. And fortunately, you know, we, we, we reached our conclusion in short order. I think we took a, it's funny, we took a six mile walk. It's funny that we know how long it was, but you know, that was enough time to kind of go back and forth. And then we drove to LA. So, you know, from Phoenix to LA is about, you know, five hour drive. So we had another, you know, um, little session in there where we kind of debated it back and forth. And um, it's funny, but the morning that we were going to go sit down with Big Boy just to talk about Civic Cipher and the growth that the show had, you know, achieved in two years and the partnership with iHeart and the partnership with Radio Pacifica, just to talk to him about those things that morning as we were leaving the hotel to drive five minutes, we're in Burbank. If you've been to the iHeart studios out there, um, we were by the time we got to the parking lot of the radio station, we had the assignment from our lawyer and we're looking at it and we're like whoa and we told big boy and we're like yo guess what and he's like oh man we're talking about that and then when we mentioned it and then now it's translated into korean and you know i have to do interviews with the bbc and when you all were debating who was on which side of the coin what did the debate sound like that's a great question um so we were both on both sides of the debate um and I think initially Q was not really uh, on either side, but really raising concerns about what this could mean for us, because we live in a world, as we know, that, you know, folks will not open an article, they'll read a headline. Um, and that's a very dangerous place to put yourself in with your face, you know what I mean? And with your brand and your, your show, especially when you're trying to do good, you're trying to help, trying to or prevent harm. And so um, that was definitely one thing that Q brought up. Uh, one of the things that I brought up and Q ended up finishing the thought for me was that um, if we don't do this, there could potentially be non-Black children who emanate the behavior of the gentleman in question and wear these clothes in the name of fashion. This dude is a popular dude. Everything he puts out sells out. We know this. We could end up in a world where our mothers, grandmothers, people, as I mentioned, like Dr. Westenberg, people who are very important to us, will interact with, you know, white kids and, you know, kids who don't really know the full weight of a message like that and how hurtful that can be and how that can feel like regression to a person like that and how harmful that can be when it kind of splinters a message of us really trying to affirm that our black lives matter 
Um, and so we had to weigh the responsibility with the potential consequences. Um, and we were both, again, on both sides of that discussion. But ultimately, we, we felt like if this is in our lap and this is what we've signed up for. And at the time, we were thinking it would come from white supremacists. You know, we live in Arizona. The, the, the headquarters of the Ku Klux Klan is maybe 18 minutes from where I live. You know, uh, this is not a place where, you know, you want to bring scared business. And we knew that when we started Civic Cipher and when we had to talk about police shootings and, you know, there's police shootings that happen here that make national news as well. So, you know, it's, it, it, we just, we had to bite it off and we had to chew it and it just foamed up in our mouths a little bit. Just pause, but, um, you know, here we are. Um, and uh, we, we think that we have done right so far by everyone. And, and our hope is that we continue to do as right by as many people as we possibly can, because there's no way for us to make everyone happy. And no one sets out to disappoint That's folks. Right. I definitely appreciate that. So just listening to that, I, I've heard, I also heard that you were planning to, to give it to either the NAACP or the ADL, like what, what are your plans for the trademark? Is this, is this actual fact? So, so yeah, that that is something that we are, um, I'll say that we're looking into it. Um, we have definitely, so here's the thing that a lot of folks don't realize. The um, Anti-Defamation League is the entity that deemed this term a white supremacist term. As you know, the Anti-Defamation League has a team of lawyers. Um, we are radio hosts and any lawyers, like so far this mark has cost me money personally, right? Um, but really I have a closer relationship with the NAACP and the, the ADL was just a conversation we were having in case the NAACP thing didn't quite come together. Um, that felt like our cultural museum if you will to me i could put it in a box put it in a museum and it it's purely symbolic it is not worth anything it's it might be worth something to one person who we'd never sell it to even for a billion dollars you know and i've made that very clear but you know people love headlines right um uh and and at present we're we're, we're having so conversation that particular headline that you all were willing to sell it for a billion dollars is like just what they do. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it really misrepresents the um, idea of uh, where we are and where we're going. But I recognize that, um, you know, for certain outlets, that's that's the business that they're in. And fortunately for all the outlet, well, at least for the one where we actually said that, or I said that, uh, they were very kind. They put the full video up. So, you know, anybody that chose to click on it sees that that was just something said sort of as a bizarre hypothetical, yeah. like yeah. maybe. And, you know, for, for those listening uh, to us right now, uh, what I said was um, we are not interested in selling anything to anyone. That's not what we're trying to do. Who would do that? Um, but, you know, when they ask the same question over and over again, it's like you kind of have to answer, give them something so you can move on to the next question. And so um, when they keep pressing, I said uh, some effectually what I said was um, hypothetically, if, you know, in a 
parallel universe, somebody came with a billion dollars, um, maybe at that point we might have to weigh the the good that we could do by donating that money to civil rights orgs and what they could accomplish, real change that they could accomplish in the world um, and weigh that, those outcomes versus the outcomes of, you know, people not wearing t-shirts, you know? And so that's, you know, in the furthest stretches of my imagination to answer a purely hypothetical question, you know, that's what ended up coming out. But of course the headline is Kanye can buy something for a billion dollars. Nobody ever said that. And that's not something wow. that we're even remotely interested in. You know, um, we know, we know all about those headlines and right. how they get twisted around sure. to make it. Yes. For, for, for clickbait. But why are people saying that? I mean, you know, I, I am at the point in my life where I don't really pay attention that much and like read deeply things on social media, but you kind of see stuff. Mm. And I, I, I've been seeing somewhere they've been saying that it's not true that you all have the trademark or it's not real. Do you know where that came from or what's sure. the yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that um, it's important to know is that our trademark attorney is we, we sought him out because uh Based on our research, he's one of the uh, most prominent trademark attorneys in the United States. Um, that's not a uh, that's not a, an accident. We recognized that in a lot of spaces, it's kind of like the golden rule. You know, whoever has the gold makes the rule. So if we are going to have to hold court with someone who at the time has billions of dollars, we at least need to make sure that we've strategized you know, um, appropriately. So that's first and foremost. Um, and we obviously heed the uh, counsel of our, um, our lawyer. Uh, but furthermore, the way trademarks work is, you know, to, to some folks, um, points, they're absolutely right. Um, it, it's, it's a technical thing. Uh, so I'll make a parallel for you. Have you ever heard of the term patent pending? Yes. Okay, so patent pending means that you've filed for a patent, right? This is the United States Patent and Trademark Office, same, same entity, same process, right? Patent pending means that your patent application has been accepted. In order for it to be accepted, there has to be an assumption that it will be uh, approved. In other words, it has to check all you know, these certain boxes meet certain criteria in order for it to be approved. But there's a lengthy process that things go through before they finally are patented. Mm. Uh, patent, patent pending protection affords you the same protections more or less than a full patent. In other words, it is a uh, prohibitive sort of right. thing that keeps other people from moving into that space. Um, and for folks that say, oh, they don't have the trademark, um, it's like trademark pending, right? We have the application, everything was accepted, it was filed by our lawyer, you know, everything is, everything is there. Um, and it's a matter of a waiting game, you know? Um, and if, we, if, if folks wanna stick around for two, three years, however long it takes for a, a full, you know, mark to come back, you know, be my guest. Um, but, you know, the, the, folks trying to pick that apart either know the law very well and are using that sort of technicality to get some views, I think, or um, they don't know the law at all and they're just kind of copy pasting. Um, but 
We don't obviously heed the counsel of Instagram commenters. We heed the counsel of Morris Turek, our patent and trademark attorney. And uh, I just want to know. So based on what your attorney is saying and, and, and the, the likelihood and the normality of this process, more likely than not, unless something really strange happens, you guys would definitely be able to own the trademark. Absolutely. So okay. here's the um, here's the other part about that. If for some reason there was something wrong, uh, that agency, it is it it is, they are required to help you make it across the finish line. You know, they, they okay, you have to tighten this up. Let's change this. Okay, then that'll work. Okay, let's let's run it back. So this is kind of the nature of the uh, the U.S. Now I'm not a, I don't want to sound like a trademark professional, but this is what I've learned from. Again, our legal uh, uh, counsel. So, um, worst case scenario, we might have to, you know, whatever. But you know, we don't anticipate that because we filed it. It's it's not a very complicated thing to. Absolutely, to I know a lot of people. I think I saw um, <laughs> Isaac Hayes the third before he. I think he may have interviewed you all, um, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how many trademarks he owns. There are people that take, they get trademarks all the time. They hear yeah. something, they see something and that's, and they're actually in the business of holding the trademarks to many different things. So it's not that difficult, but to your point, it takes time um, for every, for all the legal process to be done. I just want to say, and I, and, you know, I know that you have given us so, so much of your time today and it's been so gracious, it's wonderful to listen to you. I don't know why I have not been exposed to you in the past, but now that you've become a friend of street politicians, certainly I intend to, you know, keep listening and 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 get some of the awareness from whatever you all um, are doing on your show because it sounds really, really, really powerful. Thank and you. you know, I I don't want to take this conversation into my own political thoughts and theories. And I understand your position on the White Lives Matter statement and what the ADL said. But I have many critiques around the ADL just from my engagement with them. And I hope that whatever decision you make, it is that it would go to an organization that literally represents our people. How dare I give an opinion after we just talked about so many people? No, uh, I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, and I, I didn't really get to fully flesh out the uh, the, the part of the um uh, our our consideration of the NAACP, but um, the NAACP is an organization that is uh, I've worked with since I was a teenager. You know, um, I I and and that you know people are going to take issue with that. Um, the ADL was always kind of conceived uh, as, as a a kind of right. But why but because, not just hold it? Why not just hold it and be the so, two guys that own it? Yeah, that, I mean, that's, I guess that's an option too. Um, but here's the thing, as long as this thing is in our possession, um, we are forever married to it in a way that puts us, it puts a target on our back. And um, it leaves us exposed to folks who might want to throw rocks at the throne, if you will, not not trying to big myself up, but you know, you get the the uh, the analogy there, um, and that is a weight that we don't necessarily need to carry. Again, in our estimation, it is a worthless mark 
we don't anticipate anyone selling anything. It doesn't have any value. And why not put it somewhere where it can be better protected? Um, I personally don't want to go to court. It, regardless if if I'll win or not, I that's who wants to go to court for any reason. You know, we've done what we needed to do. It's kind of like a someone told me this and it and it I, I I don't think of it in this way for myself, but I appreciate what they said. They said it's kind of like a Robin Hood story. You know, you you do this and then you pass it along. And you know, it's not for me to hold on to. It doesn't serve any purpose in my life. Uh I, I'm I was charged with making the decisions that would affect the most people. And I think that by keeping those shirts off the backs of as many people as possible um, and protecting the right to do that, uh, if, if I can create that reality by putting it in a place that has revenue and lawyers and you know that sort of stuff, then, then that makes a little bit more sense. And so I will say that <clears throat> um, these conversations are ongoing. Um, it is not our our hope to hurt anyone. We are not misinformed. We do recognize uh, how um, you know there's been you know friction on all sides of you know everything, and and that's not something that we're not sensitive to. Um, your your statement is is you're not the first person to say that to me. I'm not even the first person to say that to me who's close to me. Um, and you know these are all things that we have to to weigh i mean I, you can hear it in my voice like i really do i'm trying to love everyone mm -hmm. as best i can and it is impossible to do that um and you know it's no one asked to be in this position but now that i'm here now that q is here it's like well you know this i guess it comes with it and so um you know the only thing that i can promise is that we will do our best um, to to honor what our commitment to this moment and to our people is based on our truth as we know it in that moment. And uh, hopefully, um, you know, people are able to celebrate it. So we pray for you, brother. We pray for both of you. Q, Quentin in his absence, Quentin Ward. Um, I don't know if I said his name. No, that's right in the beginning. Uh, we pray for you. And you know what? When God's on your side, you just make the decision and walk away from it, knowing that you did what was in your heart. And so we pray for you um, and wish you nothing but peace uh, over this matter, peace in your heart, peace in your mind and peace over whatever decisions you just you choose to make. And we got your back. You know, we appreciate that. We got your back. We, I'm glad that somebody got it, man, because I was just thinking about the havoc that actually could have been wreaked. Sure. As in, in the harm that could have come to us, the quote unquote harm right. that came to black people. So I appreciate you for doing what you're doing. And, and, and you know, just know that you have warriors on your side, prayer warriors, frontline soldiers and warriors. We, we with you, man. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I appreciate Thank that. Kate. Take care. All right. right. Y'all be good. Be great. Ramses Ja of the duo Ramses Ja oh. and uh Quentin Ward of Civic Cipher. They got a big this is big. I it mean, is, you know, because I remember how, how angry we were when we seen that trademark. And then you know the bad no, how angry we were when we saw this shirt. I mean the shirt, not the trademark, the shirt, exactly. When we seen the shirt and just understand it, because you know, people don't understand why we were triggered. And I say all the time that we dealt with 
up close, up close and personal, White Lives Matter. You know what I'm saying? When we were in Kentucky, there were a lot of people utilizing that term. Some people even had on, you know, gear that said it, and they were, and, and they were fighting back with us, surrounding us with guns. You know, as we screamed Black Lives Matter, just marching and protesting for for justice for Breonna Taylor, they were using it to intimidate us. And in times, I felt like our lives were definitely in jeopardy by the people who was using that verbiage. So, you know, it was very dangerous. It was very inconsiderate, you know, and I didn't I didn't understand the marketing strategy. I didn't understand anything. And I think that because the individual who who utilized it didn't take the time to think about the harm it was it would have caused, you know, it made it that much more dangerous and that much more disrespectful and then didn't connect with individuals who are directly impacted by that. So I'm glad these brothers did what they do, you know, more than hopefully, you know, they'll get the patent, I mean, get the trademark and they'll own it. And, you know, and, and they'll give it to a place that, you know, it won't be able to harm anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope they get an opportunity to contain it as well. So that was, um, you know, a really important conversation and I'm glad we were able to have it. I'm so glad we were able to have it. But um I know I know we talked about um Kyrie today earlier in the show. And um what I don't get and, and it's not to to disparage anybody or anyone, but I just what I don't get is why people don't understand the difference between Kanye and Kyrie, right? It's it's like the weirdest thing to me. Like, you know, everybody, because I've been very vocal about my support of Kyrie, just like I was about what Ye, quote unquote, said and did that, that made me uncomfortable, you know? And I don't think, and I think so many people just want to put one blanket around the situation, right? Oh, they're both saying, you know, Ye was saying this before, why people don't support. And I'm like, you know, there are nuance, there is circumstances, and there are individuals. You know, I think for me, my support for Kyrie, because he's been consistent, right? He's never, from the beginning, he's always been a stalwart in our communities. He's um, supported every issue that we faced when we were fighting for Breonna Taylor. He was one of the vocal people when George Floyd, he was vocal. I remember us having knowledge of even in the bubble, Kyrie said that he didn't even want to play basketball because he didn't feel that the NBA was focusing on the issues of black people. You know, he, he sacrificed then, you know, and even in every sacrifice, I think that he's made thus far has been based on principles and his own spiritual beliefs. And I don't know why somebody doesn't see the difference in when Kanye utilized his voice and it was out of emotions and his own personal value, you know, what, what, what he wasn't be, being able to gain personally. So I really just wish people stopped making the comparison to the two. And, 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 and I hope that people can understand the difference and understand why a lot of us, if you even look and you see every day is more and more people coming out to support Kyrie. Shout out to Jason Williams, who who said something. You know, it's more and more people saying, hey, 
what's happening to men is just not right. So I really don't get why people don't see the difference between someone who's emotionally charged and somebody who's doing something based on the spirituality and the principles and just wanting to be a better black person. So a better man, I guess, a better black person, I guess. Yeah, black man, because you know the reality of the situation. I'm more I, more informed. Informed, yeah. Right? And I, and I think I think the short answer that I would give is or, or why I agree with you 100 percent is that I've never heard Kyrie and we've already talked about this, but I've never heard Kyrie say uh, that white that the white man is the most uh, marginalized or oppressed person in our society. I've never seen Kyrie kissing up to Trump and wearing a MAGA hat. I've never seen or heard Kyrie do all the stuff I said earlier, just take it and repeat it again. I've not seen that. And therefore, I am inclined to support him, even though he has said, you know what, I, when I sat back and I thought about what happened here, I've made, I, I want to apologize for the harm that it may have caused. So I, I just think people don't want to see the difference. They want them both to be the same for their personal reasons, whatever those reasons may be. And then we've just found out that there's a lot of people out here that no matter what, they just going to support yay Kanye. And that's, you know, completely fine with me. I'm like, we're at a, we're at a whole different space in the war. The, as has been said, the, the mental warfare um, that we're up against as a people. And so, you know, I have limited time or things to even say to address um, anymore the, the craziness that happened or, or the craziness that kind of started all of this. So that's my opinion. And I agree, Tamika Mallory, Grandmama T. Grandmama T, my grandbaby is coming to me right now. Well, listen, man. So we'll end this show on that note. I appreciate all of you for making this the number one podcast in the world. Podcast. What is a podcast? Podcast. The podcast. The number. That's how Kessin be saying. Kessin be like podcast. He got this little English accent that he talks with. Anyway, the number one podcast in the world. We appreciate you. If you have any suggestions, make sure you hit Street Politicians Pod on Instagram. DM us. Let us know how much you love us. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Give us any critiques. We open for it, man. And we're here for you. And we love the support. Thank you. You, The show is growing every day. And we really appreciate you. And with that said, I'm not going to always be right. Tamika D. Mallory, Mama T. Ingle, Grandmama T. Grandmama T. Mama. Mama's Mama shop is closed. Grandmama T is not going to always be wrong, but we will both always, and I mean always, be authentic. Peace. We got Black Murder. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.